Louise is the worship pastor of uh, Kingsgate in, uh, in, in London. Uh, Tom is uh, an associate elder pastor, worship leader, husband, father, um, probably not in that order, but uh, your father first, I mean, your husband first, and your father. Uh, but um, just uh, they're part of a church called Restored in Los Angeles. And then Dana, Starla's known for many years. I met her a few years ago, then I've kind of. Uh, Families have all just connected. Her dad planted Glenridge Church in Durban, and uh, started grew up with her. Uh, I think babysat her at some stage, yeah. probably. <laughs> started try to drown her the one day. Yeah. No, just kidding. Um, let me just get this thing going here. Yeah? Otherwise, I want to pass this mic. There we go. And uh, Dana's the the worship worship pastor of a church in what's the area called? Newport Beach in, not San Diego, in Los Angeles. Uh, when they're telling me all the places they live, I'm, I must say it's pretty cool and uh, it's great to have them. So I've just kind of prepped them with a few questions. We, I'll probably get through a few, but I want to I start, first of all, I mean, just simply because, I mean, even this, for me this morning answered probably a lot of questions that I was going to pose, uh, but that's, that's a good thing. But just... Um, just briefly, and maybe we can start with you, Lou. Just for you, why do we sing? Why do we sing? Um, basically, for me, one of the main reasons I sing is because, A, God commanded it. So if he commanded it, he knows what's good for us and what's best for us. So I'm going to definitely go with that. Um, but also, there is something very significant that happens with our voices. Um, if you think about it, when God spoke, he spoke the world into existence. There's, there's power that is released when, when there is something released from our mouths. And it's not a coincidence that the singers in the Old Testament were put in the front of the army to go into battle and break open ground and break open things. So there is something powerful that we don't understand that happens when we sing, when we speak. Something is released into the atmosphere that shifts the atmosphere and changes it. And so for me, singing is a, is a weapon and a, and a weapon of warfare, really, um, and, a, and, a, and a weapon that God uses to shift atmospheres and change nations and cities. Same question, Tom. Go for it. Um, he tells us to, yes. It's, like, huge. Like, he's worthy of our singing. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of all of our attention, our adoration. Um, we're singing people. We're singing creations. We sing about everything. I mean, whether it's your favorite sporting event, whether it's, you know, like the best meal you've ever had, <laughs> dare I say the best uh, night with your spouse you've ever had like we sing we are like we are created to express ourselves it's a beautiful thing um, and I think that God created us for us to sing to him and I also believe it talks about in the scriptures he sung over us first he sings over us as a loving father we're his children and he, he he's he's worthy uh, yeah, I'm like, third. Um, I, I think, I mean, just adding on that, um, I think what I love about singing is it involves every part of me. It's somehow both a physical and an emotional and a spiritual experience, um, whether it's um, in church, um, but also there's something we just love about music. It, it gets us. Yeah. Um, if I, I got sunshine on a cloudy day, right? You feel something. There's something about music and singing that just affects us. 
And I think I love the way in which my entire body is engaged in this one singular activity. Um, that I can't just, I can't just sing with my body. I sing with my soul and my mind. Everything is engaged. And I think um, why it's so powerful in worship is because it has to engage all of us. Um, that we can kind of use every aspect of ourselves um, in, in an offering um, of praise. Just can, can you keep the mic because I want to, I mean, obviously worship is about Jesus. It's exalting him. But can you share any moments where other gods kind of broken in or you've seen like, I mean, we were telling some stories, but it's just even someone giving their life to Jesus through a worship time. Yeah, um, I, I think um, recently in the last little while, I've, I've seen worship in just such a different lens um, because I think I always thought of worship as for people who believed in God um, and, and people who don't. Um, maybe it wasn't as um, something that they could connect with. Um, and maybe there are some of you here who are kind of like, oh, I don't know about this Christian thing. Um, but a friend of ours came to visit, um, didn't believe in Jesus, no context for church. And I remember him coming week after week, first time in a, a church, this British young guy. And after a few weeks, he sat us down and um, almost didn't have the words for it, but, but was like, something happens when you do that singing thing. Um, and he's like, I, I feel like I get goosebumps and I'm a little warm. And, and he's like, I don't know what that is. Um, and, and he was experiencing the presence of God for the first time as we sang. Um, and I think I recognized, one, how powerful it is and we should do it. Um, two, the fact that we don't just do it for ourselves and for Jesus. Worship is not just I do it for him. It's that I do it for my brother and my sister next to me who need to hear those words sung over them, whether they don't know him yet or whether they're far from him or whether they're struggling. This morning I sat on my knees and you sang over me. You didn't even know you were doing it, but I felt the pleasure and the presence of God come and I just sat in it and I allowed your praise to minister to me. Um, and so let's I think worship is so much bigger than sometimes we think, um, which is why it's so imperative that we all engage because we just don't know what God's doing when we join together. Same question. Um, me. I mean, I, uh, I didn't grow up in the church. And uh, in America, we, we do our church gatherings culturally Sunday mornings. And Sunday mornings in my household were, like, early in the morning, my dad would play music throughout the house. So it'd be like, I'd wake up to, you know, the classics, like Tom Petty and the Beatles and just the best stuff ever, the best songwriters ever. And that was my rhythm every morning. And I remember one morning, my dad woke up the family and said, hey, get up, get ready, we're going to church. And I remember <laughs> out loud saying to him, like, we don't go to church, what are you talking about? Long story short, Jesus was pursuing my dad and started attending a local church. And I'm, I'm a guy who's always struggled with identity, so I could latch on to, okay, this defines me. I can get acceptance from this. And music was one of those things. And, and it just was part of my life. And so I started attending a local church, and I start seeing people not only singing, but I start hearing, I start hearing words about these truths of the gospel that are like resonating inside of my being. Like, oh my gosh, there's an identity available to me that I don't have to work for and earn. Like I'm beloved and cared for based on Jesus' performance and not mine. 
Like, it just changed me. God was introducing himself to me in a very personal way because my Sunday mornings were spent being woken up to classic songwriters, right? And then I got to experience God introducing himself to me in a very personal way. So I think he does stuff like that in our times of worship that it's like it really is him talking to you. It's not just like this, oh, it's a coincidence. Like, no, he's, it's the spirit he's speaking to you. It's a miracle. Like, it really is. Don't take it for granted. Like, it's a miraculous event. God's speaking to you. That's how he spoke to me, so. Just Sam, sorry, with Tom again. Uh, dude, like, we've had some conversations around kind of your journey in God and, and even that moment where you eventually got the tattoo. Can you explain the tattoo story? Yeah, so I was in a season of life where I, uh, like, I knew, I knew Jesus, but I just wanted so much more of him. And in my context, in my environment, and frankly, just the, um, the sin in my own life, like I just, I wasn't hearing him and I wanted more of him and I didn't know how to get more of him. So I remember like crying out to God, like, please God, like, like intervene in my life. And, um, and one of the most profound, I didn't hear his voice audibly. It wasn't like something out of a movie, but it was about as close as I can imagine. It was so strong. It was so powerful. There was no denying that something outside of myself communicated to me and it was um, Jeremiah 1. And at the time, I don't even, if I'm honest, I don't even think I read Jeremiah 1. I knew it was in the Bible. I knew, like, where to find it, but I didn't know the context. I didn't know the story. I didn't know what was going on. So I flip over and open to Jeremiah 1, and my heart's kind of racing, and I start reading. And the only way I can think to describe it is I'm reading, there's certain passages of Jeremiah 1 where, like, I literally, it's like, the only way I can think to describe it is if somebody right now, you're, you know, you're paying attention to me talking, if somebody just slapped you across the face, it would startle you. You wouldn't see it coming, and you'd be like, you'd, oh, goodness. Like, that's the only way I can think to describe what I felt like God was getting my attention with as I'm reading different, different verses in Jeremiah 1. And in Jeremiah 1, 3 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And as I started reading that, like, like my body was just, I, I, it was like somebody slapped me because it was God getting my attention. And it was so cool. I, I mean, since then, I've seen, like, there's been countless people who prophesied over me, and there's been, not countless, but a lot. And I've seen, like, God start to bring me to an understanding of, he was, he's being, again, he was being very personal to me. He was communicating my identity to me. Like, I belong to him. He knows me. He knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. And then he was giving me my purpose. Um, so, Yeah. Lou, do you have any uh, stories of God breaking in into so, meetings? So yeah, just um, when, when I'm a personal example of that. Um, my life, I, I gave my life to Jesus in a time of worship when I was six years old. It was something that just moved me powerfully during that time. And then um, it was later on during a worship time when I was 16 that God spoke to me clearly about going to the nations and that worship was going to be the thing that he called me to, but it was during a time of worship that he spoke about my future and then a third time was when God decided to break into my life. I, I had been suicidal. I had been, like, there was just so much that had been going wrong in my life. And I was, full, I was depressed. I was anxious. There was just so much going wrong. But God broke in in a moment where two people took the time. They had a word of knowledge, took the time to sit and pray with me. And they worshipped over me and warfared over me. And in the prayer and worship time, 
something just broke off me and there was something that was released in the room. I laughed for about two hours after that. Um, and it was just like God just setting me free, setting me free, setting me free from years of hurts and stuff. And to this day, I've never, ever battled with identity, never battled with rejection, never battled with any of those things again. And so just to encourage you guys, worship is a powerful, powerful key that God uses to unlock your lives, to unlock things where the devil's had you trapped, where the enemy has tried to hold you back. There is an amazing power in worship that just unlocks things. And I just think of Paul and Silas in prison. Um, It was during the time of singing that the prison doors came open and got flung open. So I want to encourage you guys, if any of you are in a place where you feel like you are in a prison that you cannot get out of, worship, I promise you, is one of the biggest, biggest keys to unlock the jail prison that you feel you're part of. So, Dana, you've been part of kind of many churches. Your dad's first church was fairly charismatic, uh, maybe even in Southlands at moments, at moments. But now you've found yourself in a kind of a slightly more conservative uh, setting where you're leading worship. How are you uh, cultivating a culture of worship or trying to yeah. cultivate a culture of worship within there? Um, yeah, I think... I think what I'm realizing more and more is um, whether we know it or not, we come into church with a perception of how we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Um, And I think what I've recognized in this season for me is for some reason when it comes to God, um, we feel like we need to be quiet and conservative and we feel like we can't enjoy him. We feel like it's almost like, um, and, and, and I don't even know if we're aware of it all the time. And so for me, um, in the U.S., we're, we're a pretty um, outspoken people. Um, we're pretty loud. We're pretty um, opinionated. Um, but somehow we come into church and we can be so passive and we can be so disengaged. Um, and I think for me, it's, it's like, how do we strip aside those things we feel like we have to be in the presence of God and really just enjoy him. Because when we enjoy God, um, there's freedom. When we enjoy, right, when we're like at a sports game and we're just enjoying ourselves, we're not thinking about it. We're not like, how am I supposed to act? We're just cheering and shouting and having good time. And I think when we come into the presence of God, I'm trying to, I'm learning and trying to learn with my community. um, What does it look like to just enjoy him, to not feel like we have to be a certain way, but to really just kind of enter in and allow ourselves to be present, to be intentional and, and just enjoy his presence. So that makes sense. So Tom, uh, that scripture where Jesus says to the woman of the world, you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Like, what, what does that mean to you? Uh, it's kind of with that, but also in times where you're not feeling it as well. Um, just maybe talk us through something of... Yeah, I think... Um, I think we're always worshiping. Like, you're worshiping something right now. Like whatever is the, at the forefront of your mind that is the most worthy thing for you to give your attention and your devotion to, like there's not a moment we're not worshiping. And I think for me, um, I think recognizing the moments when I'm actually ascribing the most worth to God, it's the Spirit, again, intervening in my life. I'm worshiping in the Spirit. You can't worship Jesus without the Spirit. Um, so I think that's kind of what it means for me. I think for times when I don't feel like it, um, it's because I am... 
if I'm honest, I'm being proud. Like, I don't think I need the cross. It's not a big deal. It's like the, the grace that God has for me just doesn't mean as much. And it doesn't mean I don't, like, it doesn't mean I'm not saved. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But in, in the moment, I'm not aware of how desperate I am for grace. And when I am aware, oh, my goodness, man, like, I can't help it because I'm always worshiping something, right? Yeah. So that it's almost like, like if there's a laser pointer, like, on my chest, wherever I turn, it's pointing at something. And the moment I'm aware of just, honestly, how desperate I am for God's grace, and seriously, every area of my life, it, I can't help but look back to Jesus and go, oh, my goodness, you're so good to me. You're so faithful when I'm unfaithful. You're so kind when I'm unkind. You're so good when I'm not. So... That's, that's my story. That's awesome. Just, if you guys want to give you either a little golden nugget or even a prophetic word that you feel maybe for us as a church or people, just kind of, we can start with Lou. Or Dana. <laughs> that wasn't on the list. Sorry, I just threw that in there. Any encouragement, anything so we could be a more worshipping church? Pursue Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And I want to encourage you that your relationship with God is a relationship. It is not, it is not, um, I think what can so easily happen is we can forget that the Word of God is the Word of God. It is His words, but you, you, you can't have a relationship with a book. You have a relationship with a person. And Jesus is a person. And so the book helps to understand more about the person, but it's not engaging with the person directly. So my encouragement to you guys as a church for what God has called you to, for what he's asking you to do in terms of the nations, for what he's asking you to do in terms of the people in your city, for what he's calling you to do in terms of extending the kingdom, It's only going to come by abiding in the vine, by being with Jesus, by being in relationship with Jesus. And so if I can encourage you with that, do whatever you can to pursue your relationship with Jesus. It is the number one priority that everything flows from. Um, This doesn't normally happen to me, but like I said, legitimately, I didn't sleep last night. Um, Just really thinking about being here, it's weird, I haven't... I haven't had, like, butterflies or been nervous leading worship in, like, 10 years. But there was just this sense of, like, I think, like, a healthy anxiety, if that's a real thing. Like, I just, like, expecting. I was, like, God's, like, doing something. Even if it's for one of you, like, it's going to be something massive. But um, and just this idea of continuing with, like, unity, I think he really wants to bring this church, like, really close together um, for a purpose. And I got um, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Paul says... Um, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, brand new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who though Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not according to their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's crazy. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Like, if I can encourage you with anything, like, I guess it's more of a question, like, do you know who you are? Like, as a Christian, do you know who you are? You're an ambassador for Christ. He's the king of the universe. That's a big flipping deal, man. Like, and he loves you radically, unconditionally. There's no JV Christian. There's no junior varsity Christian. There's those of us filled with the Spirit, sent on mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus. It never gets old. Like, you're included in this great story. Like, we don't, we don't deserve it, but man, the adventure is absolutely beautiful. And we get Jesus. Like, he's the reward. So, sorry, that's a lot. Um, the one word that kept kind of coming back or, or the idea is um, what are you expecting? Um, what, when, when you arrive on a Sunday morning, um, what is the conversation in the car? God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to say today? God, I need you to speak today. Um, and as I was thinking about this, um, I was reminded of the story of Job. Um, and it's 40 chapters of Job crying out to God, God, I want you to speak. I don't understand. Um, and I think for some, for some of us, sometimes it feels like that. Whether you even know who God is, there's something inside of you maybe that's like, I just don't understand. I, I, I want to know. I, I don't get it. And there's this crying out and there's this moment at the end of Job um, where God reveals himself in all of his glory and all of his majesty. And Job falls down before him And he says, I know that you can do all things. And I know that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I understand that I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And then he said this, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen. And I think there are some of us, whether you've been saved a long time, or maybe you're not even a Christian yet, where you've heard of what God can do and who he is. And I just feel this sense inside of me, ask him to show himself to you. Ask him to reveal himself. The Bible says taste and see that he is good. Not know and understand, taste and see. And my prayer for you, but also my commission to you, is what are you expecting? Are you asking God? God, I I know, but now I want to see. I've heard, but now I want to feel. And uh, I just want to speak that over you. As you are driving to work, not tomorrow, today is it Friday, Um, as you are going about your day, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to show to me today? Maybe you've never heard the voice of God. Ask him to speak. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to show himself to you so that you too can say, I had heard, but now I see. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Amazing. Can we honor them?